Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Every word of every story. Every star and every sky. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to this edition of Political Straight Talk. I am your host, the Political Superman, and you know the time on the East Coast, 10.05, 7.05 on the left coast. And for those of you that are normal guests on this program or normal listeners to this program, you know that I usually start the program with a fire them up kind of political song or something that's patriotic. And, and today's song, just to tell you, today's song is by Winona Judd, and it's called Testify. I originally heard the song many years ago on a show called Touched by an Angel. And to set the, the stage, a little boy, um, Winona plays the mother of a little boy who's going to die. She's given up on God. She's upset with God. And... 
the little boy through his sickness and his death actually helps her find her way back. And in the uh, basically this song, she's she's writing this song throughout the show, and it culminates at the end with she's singing this song as Andrew, who plays the angel of death on the program, uh, takes her son um, on. And I remember the first time I heard this song, I was boo-hooing <laughs> like a little baby. And I've listened to this song, and, and for some reason it came to me earlier today. And yes, this show's about politics, but it's also about a lot more. As many of you that have been with me since I began this adventure many, many years ago know that I will take time and, and cover a myriad of topics. And so, based on the show last week, and based on what, you know, I do for a living, I was I was asked a question. And when I got asked the question, uh, many of you all know I was in the ministry for quite some time before I went into politics. And I was asked the question last week, why get a degree in something if you don't plan to use it? Is it a waste? And as I thought about it, I realized that that was a true statement. That you may very well have Hold on just a second. So I was asked, why get a degree in something that you choose not to use? And when I originally got asked that question, I was to some degree offended that someone would dare question why I make choices that I make. And then I reflected on that. And I realized that people who are in the ministry and in politics, we look up to them. We expect them to be a beacon, whether it's politically, whether it's religious, whether it's whatever. And so as I pondered that and pondered the statement of my talents being, and I quote, put to waste, end quote, I realized that they were correct. And then I even more reflected on it and realized that, yes, I enjoy politics. Yes, I enjoy uh, theology. But oftentimes the two don't mix. And so you see me take two different stands. You see me take a stand in politics, a lot of times very rough stand or a tough stand. 
that doesn't necessarily take the biblical principles that I'm sworn to uphold, uh, both as a member of faith and as a minister, they often conflict. And so this week, as I have gotten ready for the program and kind of pondered everything, I realized that the biggest effect that a a pastor or a political strategist, in this case I happen to be both, can have is to tie the two together. And oftentimes when we deal with politics, we forget our faith. Yeah, there are many that will say that they're doing this for their faith, but they're not. So the Bible commands us, and, and I'm just going to lay a few of them out there. Okay, the Bible commands us as a as a society to feed his lambs, to feed his people. Have we done that? Or as a society, is that what the food stamp program and the WIC program and the other programs are help are to help with? So should we look down upon those that have those programs? Because in all honesty, do we know the full circumstances behind it? Yet we're quick to judge those people. I have. I can honestly stand here and say I've never taken those. Never have I used them. Okay. I don't know what it's like to have to use them at the kitchen counter or at the at the grocery counter. I don't know what it's like to have to depend on them. I did do the food stamp challenge one time and take $35 and make it last an entire week. I will promise you bologna and bread gets old real quick. Another issue is health care. Now, before anybody goes off the rails and thinks that I'm for this whole green deal and this whole let's pay our taxes to cover everybody on health care, I most certainly am not. I think we have programs out there that will do the same. And it keeps everybody with responsibility. The Psalms 23 program is a great example. You pay so much per month, then you mail in your medical bills and they cover them. It's called a risk pool. And I'm going to tell you, I like the concept. Insurance isn't involved. And it's not government. But I guess what I'm trying to say is that in politics, we have to take a in politics and as people of faith, because most everybody that listens to my program is is in faith. And I, as a leader, both in faith and in politics, have failed in always conveying the message, first and foremost, of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in everything that we do, even in politics. And so... I reflected on that a lot this week, and I do reflect from time to time, and I realize that 
the visceralness in which we are in politics sometimes makes it hard to be in politics and to be people of faith. And so I encourage all of the listeners, before you make a decision in politics, what would Jesus say and do in regards to that decision? So many times we compromise who and what we are to, and I quote, vote the lesser evil. Well, I will not do that. Which brings me into some of the political stuff of today. Uh oh. President Trump signed a bill over the weekend that funded until February the 6th the federal government. And basically the only thing that bill did was back pay all of the furloughed employees. Now, two things on that. Number one, where I stand, he compromised. Would I have made that same compromise? No, I would not have. The federal government would have stayed shut down until the Democrats decided to do what is both faithfully and country right, and that is put the $5.7 billion in the budget, build the wall. But the Bible says that we respect the laws of man as we respect the laws of God. Let me say that again just for anybody that might be listening that may think that Jesus was for open borders. He wasn't for open borders. He was, in fact, for borders. And so let's talk about the walls. And let's talk about the walls in the Bible. Rome had walls. Or if you recall, to go into any Roman city, you had to enter in through the gates. And how were those gates set up? Huge walls with massive wooden doors that it took multiple people to open and close. The churches and the synagogues of the time, which Christ visited and Christ, uh, a lot of the teachings he wasn't happy with, but he never said anything about the walls to protect the church. He wanted people to be able to go in and to go out, but you have to protect them. The Vatican is protected by one of the tallest walls in the world. The entire city of the Vatican is surrounded by a massive brick wall. And to show their solidarity with those that were needing asylum and wanting to go into open borders, they let in one person. Ezekiel 22.30 says... I sought for a man among them who would build a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that it should not be destroyed. Think about that. 
Anybody know the army that marched around the walls of the city of Jericho? What were they knocking down? A wall. Now back to the political side of it. Good fences make good neighbors, pure and simple. If we are to follow God's commandment and we are to obey the laws of man as well as the laws of God, then we come to this country or any other country through the legal process. What I find most amusing is that those countries that yell and scream at us for having walls have walls of their own. The biggest hypocrite country of all would be Mexico. And as usual, Mexico is probably uh, (laughs) providing a lot of lip service, but anybody tried to enter into Mexico through the southern border? No, I know you can't. Five years in the slammer in that city or in that country, if you're caught, go down to their southern border. They will kill you unless you're in a caravan. Then they open the gates wide up to let you on through. Mexico is considered a very largely Catholic group of people. Yet, if they were going to follow even the Catholic Bible, well, guess what? It, too, says to respect the laws of God and the laws of man. So how can we as a people, as a political people, stand and say that we have the best interest of this country at heart when we choose not to follow the very principles which this country was founded? How can we go in before Congress as a Democrat and a Christian and say, we don't need a border wall. Over my dead body will there be a wall built at our southern border. Do we not need to protect our country and the sovereignty of our country? Is it not biblical to protect your country? It is. Then I got to thinking, maybe, just maybe, we're part of a biblical prophecy come to pass. Because remember, the United States must fall before biblical prophecy can happen. Remember what happened to Rome. Rome got stuck in multiculturalism, trying to please everybody all the time. Rome was killed by a death of a thousand cuts, and ironically by Islam. Now, let's talk about Islam and its role in our government. I know we talked about that partly last week, but let's put some biblical perspective on it. We are to respect everybody, Christian, non-Christian. We are not, however, to be deceived by those that would carry a false message and a false narrative. And let's just face it, Islam is a false narrative. 
Islam supports the murder and rape of innocent women and boys, men and women. They advocate the molestation of boys, the molestation of girls, the enslaving of those that don't agree with what you stand for. Islam was founded by a child molesting rapist by the name of Muhammad. If you read the Quran word for word and you take it for what it means and what it implies, it implies that anybody that doesn't agree or stand with Islam is, and I quote, an infidel, end quote. And what does the Quran say you're supposed to do with infidels? You are to kill them. You are to lie and to cheat and to work your way into infidel society structures, and then you are to kill it from within. Yes, what? In Congress right now, we have an Islamic lady who is very anti-Israel and is advocating for a very light sentence for an American that wanted to join the very people to attack our country. Mm-hmm. Weren't there six involved? I thought there were six or nine. I can't remember. Now, I was asked last week what I thought about the crisis of Islam. I gave a political answer. Now I'm going to give you the right answer. And the right answer is this. If we as a nation don't get a hold of care, the Islamic Brotherhood, the Nation of Islam, and others, and we continue to allow them to make incremental gains in local and state legislatures, then we're going to have a bigger problem 10 or 15 years down the road. Mm Mm-hmm. And I do believe that as a nation, a Christian nation, where 82% of respondents as recent as 2018 said, hey, we are a Christian nation and I identify as a Christian, we got to put the kibosh on the religious infiltration of our government, our schools, and sadly, our own churches. Does that mean we have to be mean? No. That mean we have to be disrespectful? No. But at the end of the day, the guy that I worship and serve, he's alive because the stone was rolled away. I can take you to Muhammad's grave, and he's still there. Last week I got asked what was the biggest problem facing our country. And I really had to think about this one because, again, for years I played two different roles. I played the role of of non-practicing pastor and political strategist. And from time to time I'm left to wonder, when I stand at Judgment Day, And I have to answer for everything that I've done. Which will will I be held most accountable for? Will I be held most accountable for the decisions I made as a political strategist 
and a political operative in the Bush administration? Or will I be held most accountable for the decisions I either did or didn't make as an educated pastor of the word? And whereas all sin is the same, I'm led to believe, or at least I feel, that I'm going to be judged most harsh on what I either did or didn't do as a pastor. Because when I chose to go that way, and I chose to accept that title, and I chose to be considered a leader of God's church, I accepted the responsibilities that came with it. In truth, I've probably uh, abdicated some of those responsibilities over the years. As a matter of fact, there's no probably to it. There is. Because I chose to go politics. Because it's fun and exciting, and being a pastor isn't necessarily fun nor exciting. So what is the biggest problem facing our country? I could tell you that it's the new generation of people coming out that are complete morons. I could tell you that it's the apathetic voters that are too lazy to get up and go vote. I could tell you any number of things that the that the toughest generation in America's history is dying off now by the hundreds and pretty soon there'll be none left. But none of that is the toughest thing facing our country. As a matter of fact, those things are a direct result of us not doing. And that is by not following the very principles of God's Word that was founded in this country. We have an obligation as Christians, as pastors, as lay people, as general churchgoers to get up to gather and to worship. Does that mean you go park your butt in a church every Sunday? Nope, don't believe it, never have. For Christ didn't do that, but he did gather. He gathered with fellow believers and they worshiped and they studied. That we have an obligation to do. That, by the way, for a shameless plug, you can do on Deliverance by Grace on Sunday evenings. And we want everybody to come out, no matter what your belief system. Come out on Sundays. For those of you that go, you haven't done it in a while. We are. Scheduling conflicts have been resolved, and we will be doing it on Sundays again. We'll be doing two parts, by the way. One part will be a study on a particular section. The uh, remaining parts will be um, sermon-based. So we'll start with the study and then do a sermon-based. The sermons will be recorded and are going to be given to outlets to play. Shameless plug now, over. Mm -hmm. May I say something? You may. Um, Well, I was listening to your dialogue from the beginning about food stamps and kind of going into the other things. Uh, And the one thing that I really have... Um, I think that the difference between people who are Christians and that 
spend their lives trying to you know do their best to to walk a Christian walk. I think that the biggest difference between the Christian people in the United States of America and the people that do not necessarily practice or whatever their faith, even though they claim to have it, whatever, but you know, you know what I mean. And then those that have none or that are off the charts wild, uh, for the lack of a better term, I think that the biggest difference is the Christians are accountable for their actions. Christians hold themselves accountable for everything. And when I look upon the biggest problem that I see in the federal government, it's their lack of accountability. Over now. Well, you know, that's funny you should bring that up because I posted something on Facebook that Democrats are voting on rules this week. And one of the rules that they are voting on is to remove the words, so help you God, from all witnesses who testified before certain committees in Congress. We're going to come back to to both of those statements. So hold them tight. The biggest problem that we are facing in this country Yeah, we can talk about voter responsibility. We can talk about, you know, excesses here, excesses there, problems here, problems there. In reality, our biggest problem is that we've gotten away from biblical principle. We've gotten away from gathering together in the church house, in the state house, in the workhouse, wherever, and taking a few minutes to worship and thank God for what we have. And a nation that forgets God is bound for demise. Little by little, chink by chink, word by word, phrase by phrase, God is being removed. Mm-hmm. It began in 1962, and it's worked its way up to today. Where, in fact, they are going to be voting. And that vote will be to remove the word, so help me God, before committee testimony. Will it pass every committee? No, it will not. There are enough Democrats that will cross over to stop that. But the precedent is there. Shameful. I think it's shameful. The reason we have the representatives that we have from New York and Minnesota and Michigan is because Christians have forgotten how to sell their message. And whereas people say, well, Christianity's not, you shouldn't be selling a message, I beg to differ. I absolutely beg to differ. Yeah. You have Christ to sell heaven. the message of Christ. You have to have the message to where people want the message. I can tell you about God all day long. I can tell you how vengeful he can be. I can tell you the things that he did. I can tell you everything. And make well, you Well, just hearing the message of, of gospel, though, doesn't... Typically, the heart has to be convicted, and that's what the law does. To, to some degree. 
if people don't have the ability to see their sins, then they don't have the ability to know that they need a savior. Simple as that. Uh, but that's that's not exactly true. Sometimes you have to. It, it kind of works in in droves. Person can't be convicted if they don't know there's something there to convict them of. So a lot of times, and I'm finding this out more and more, much to my surprise, I'll be honest, I did not understand this and still have a hard time grasping that there are so many people here in the United States alone that have no true concept of A, our political system, and B, our religious system or of Christ. And so as I've had conversations with people and I've worked with them and I've talked to them, <laughs> they've been amazed of, you know, oh, this is what Christianity's about. This is what God's about. The other day, come knocking on our door. Lady come knocking on the door and um, my daughter opened it and the lady before Addie could say anything, the lady goes, can I ask you what's in a name? Well, I was in my office working, and I was finishing up a call, and so I kind of was eavesdropping in. And Addie just kind of standing there, and the lady again says, well, let me tell you what's in a name. Uh-huh. Then I realized what it was. It was a particular religion that had um, come to the door and was going to sell their message, albeit the wrong message. They were going to sell their message. And so sent them on their way and, and... um, again, got to kind of thinking about that. What if Christians, true Christians, did the same thing? What if we were so quick to go knock on the doors and to sell our message and to ask, instead of what's in a name, What's in the cross? Why is the cross important to you? Why is blood-stained hands and a crown of thorns important to you? Why don't we do that? Why is it when there's a rally for life and time to stand up for Christian principles of life, a thousand people show up to a right to life rally, but 10,000 people can show up for a reproductive rights march. Is it because that there are people out there that doesn't believe in that? No. It's because people are afraid. People don't stand up. And that happens in politics. I promise you right now that more than half of the Democrats that are in lockstep with the pro-choice movement, those individuals would stand up and say, I would never 
ever support abortion, but I support other people's rights to choose. And so the question that I had to ask myself today is, where does one person's rights end and another person's rights begin? You've often heard me say that it wasn't the federal government's place to regulate abortion. I stand by that. It is a true statement. It is not the federal government's place to regulate abortion. It isn't the government's place to say it's legal. It isn't the government's place to say it's illegal. It is the states that have that obligation. Okay? I think that any person that removes a child from their womb by pill or by surgery is a murderer. So I was told this afternoon about an hour ago about this post on Facebook where the lady said that if a baby is born early, that is also a form of abortion. And I (laughs) just shook my head (laughs) and got me to thinking and I thought about it and I realized that it's pathetic that somebody would think that. That if nature, or God's will, takes its course and the baby's born early, that's not an abortion. But how did this young person get this viewpoint? You mean a premature baby? Yes. And where did we fail? goes back to education. We have a myriad of problems in this country, ladies and gentlemen. And yes, I know my monologue's running a little long today, and I apologize, but I had a lot to say after last week's episode. And it's like this. First and foremost, we have an obligation to be true to God's Word and God's principles. And if we're true to God's Word and God's principles and to our own belief system, then that would make us true in our politics and our day-to-day decisions involving our government. And if people are truly true to who and what you are, and you're true to the term Christian as you say you are, then we solve a lot of those problems. And we begin to take back the White House governor's mansion, the state house, the mayor's office, the city executives, and so on and so forth. Brings me around to President Trump. Do I think President Trump is the greatest bastion of an example for Christians? No, I do not. Do I think that President Trump is an example for some people? Yes, I do. Do I think as president he's tried to do what he said he was going to do? 95% of it, yes. Am I happy about the government resolution? No. I would have left the government shut down. They played politics with that. And when he did, he, he gave up some of the high ground that he had. Does President Trump win in 2020? All things considered, as of right now, yes, he does. 
Remember, Ronald Reagan had a 35% approval rating at this point in his presidency. He went on to win 49 states. Will Trump win 49 states? No, the country's too divided for that. Will he win over middle America? Yes. Will the economy hold true to him? Yes. Has he done what he said he was going to do and begun to transform America? Yes, he has. Some ways bad, most ways good. But he has transformed. Does he follow Christian principle? No, he does not, based on what I see. Does that mean I have a right to talk about his salvation? No, I do not. His name's in the Lamb's Book of Life. That's between him and the good Lord above. I know whose name is there. Mine. That is the only name I can be sure of. I can't be sure of the boss ladies. I can't be sure of the kids. I can't be sure of anybody's but my own. Why? Because the Bible says that I cannot be. At the end of the day, every one of us are leaders. At the end of the day, every one of us are followers. It just depends on the circumstance. We have an obligation to be true to our Lord and Savior. He in turn says that we are to obey the laws of our land and to stand up and to be righteous in all that we do. As voters, we need to be righteous when we go to the polls and vote for biblical principle. Vote for those who would stand upon the Bible as God's rock, for everything around it is quicksand, and so shall they fall. A lot of you I know are thinking, Lord, I didn't know this was going to be a sermon that's on Sunday night. My show, my prerogative, sometimes I get this way, and today just happens to be one of those days. Anyway, you want some political straight talk, here it is. If you're not true to your Lord and Savior, and true to biblical principle, you're not true to your country and to your vote. There are many people in Congress right now that would sell their vote to the devil. Mm-hmm. Stay in Congress. There are many people that will be casting votes in the coming days for things that because someone in party leadership told them to vote it, they're going to do it. Are there good Democrats out there? Yes, there are. Would you ever know it by how they vote? No. Will they answer for that? Yes. And people in positions of authority and power and leadership will be held accountable to a higher standard. We should expect that. As painful as this is to say, we should demand that. And if they can't deliver, we should send them home. Now, there are other places in the country who may not feel the way we do. It's our job to convince them they should. It's our job as Christians to go out and give that hope. Pass that bowl of soup to someone who's hungry. Give a blanket to someone who's homeless. And a lot of times we've become hardened to it. 
the other day we were in a shopping center in a mall. We're going to Dave and Buster's. And we were turning. We come on the on ramp and or off ramp and was turning. And I saw a guy sitting there panhandling. Years ago, my my first thought would have been, you know what, let's give him a few bucks. I was ashamed at what I thought when I when I turned at the light. Instead of thinking, you know what, he could probably use five bucks for a meal, you know what I thought? Why doesn't he have a job? We shouldn't think that. Because we don't know their circumstances. Did I show the love of Christ when I come around that corner and passed him by? No. Matter of fact, later on as I was in uh, in Dave and Buster's and we were kind of playing games, I, I had went and got a Diet Coke and sat down and that homeless man popped into my head, and that's what I was thinking. Hmm. Here I am drinking this Diet Coke, and I wonder if uh, $5 he wanted from me was for food. Felt bad about that because in today's society, politically and religiously, We've become hardened. Yes, we have. Bible says that he will send angels. What if that person I didn't give that $5 to that, truthfully, I didn't need? I mean, yeah, we all need money, but I've got food, lots, water. What did they have? And truthfully, the amount of money that we spent playing games and eating out that night and the gas to go there and the gas to go back and, you know, if we bought stuff, I don't remember if we bought anything or not, I'm assuming we probably did. Would we have truly missed five, ten dollars of that money? Maybe that's what our punishment was because the food that we ate at the place we went to was atrocious. Maybe that's God's way of saying, hey, Buster, if you'd have given the five bucks, the food would have tasted better. I don't know. Yeah. So, instead of being so politically hardened, religiously hardened, let's always remember first and foremost that we're a child of the king and that we represent his kingdom. When you are a child of the king, it means you've got royal blood flowing through your veins. You're royalty in the kingdom of heaven. You have an obligation to be a beacon and a light for those around us. Whether it's the homeless guy on the corner whether it's the child at Walmart wearing scraggly clothes, the family that's disheveled and you can tell that they're 
their meals are being paid for by the government, or even those that have nothing. Would we miss a few pairs of socks to the homeless shelter? Would we miss $10 for a couple of gallons of milk and a couple of loaves of bread at the local food bank? Would we miss an extra smile to that person that looks like they may be grumpy and having a bad day? Now y'all are wondering, why does this all tie into politics? Well, it does. It all ties into politics. Because if we approach everyday life with that, we begin to change people one person at a time. Maybe we're paying it forward and didn't know it that smile that we give instead of that scowl or instead of being in such a hurry in the grocery line let that person behind you that's got two items go ahead or help that little lady that's struggling to get the groceries in her car give her a hand I can tell you of all of the kids all of them all nine of them I will tell you something, as, as frustrated as we may get with them, I have watched them all with complete strangers stop what they're doing and go help without any thought whatsoever. From the youngest girl to the oldest girl, and all of them in between, I've seen them all do that. They paid it forward without a single thought. Now they're all young and they're not they haven't been around the world as long as we have to get hardened. But I remember a time when I used to do that. I still for the most part do it and boss lady does it and, and whatnot, but how many of us don't do it often enough? Because we're in a hurry. And if we can take that five minutes and we can change the countenance of a person Maybe we change their perspective. Maybe that set of diapers that you take down to the Ride to Life Center. Maybe a, a woman comes in there and she's thinking about an abortion because she has no way to take care of that baby. And the people at the Ride to Life Center or whatever it's called in your local state Says, you know what, we're gonna we're gonna be here to help you. And that pack of diapers is the pack of diapers that they hand her. And that formula that you may have donated is the formula that they hand her. And the ten dollars that you donated is the money that helps pay the salary of the counselor that's gonna walk her through to help her decide to keep that baby and to not murder that baby. Do you miss that? Are you going to miss that? No. Anyway. All right. Die Tribe over. And uh, I'm going to open it up for you guys because I know I've taken up most of the night. So if you have any political questions, religious questions, or comments about what's went on this week, then feel free and... We'll take a few minutes and deal with that. 
Did you get that text I sent you about Stacey Abrams is going to, has been invited to give the Democratic response to the um, State of the Union? Yes, but, you know, when did we get to the point where the response, there has to be a response to the State of the Union? Yeah, really. Um, I, I'm just going to put it this way on this. Miss Abrams is a misguided individual. I have, you know, I've heard some of her comments since losing the governor's race in Georgia. Um, again, you know, the people came out and made the right choice. On that case, has been evidenced by how she's reacting. Even some people that's voted for her said, you know what, oh, we're kind of glad she didn't win. So let them, I mean, let them make their response. It's the same as if the Republicans did it. This is the State of the Union, not a, you know, not an opening argument and a rebuttal right. in court. Um, yeah. I don't think many people are going to pay attention to her, uh, just to be quite honest. And uh, I just don't, uh, you know, she doesn't. Not many people are going to hear, to be honest. Most likely the people that are watching CNN. Yeah. That's so, you know, it's, it's the same as CNN giving a job to the former mayor of whatever town he was mayor of. Oh, yeah, I know. Can't think of his name. So, um, uh, Gillum is his name. But. Oh, Andrew Gillum, yeah. Yeah. He's he's gonna be he's gonna be indicted here pretty soon. Maybe. Maybe. How did you know if we're so concerned about Sharia law coming to this country and Sharia courts? Mm-hmm. How how did they get elected? Uh, um, well, I mean, that's pretty simple. Well, I mean, I know people voted for him, but... Their district is full of Muslims. That's how. I mean... I'm just flabbergasted. You know, and then they get up there and they make these racial slurs. You know, they want to destroy Israel. And Pelosi's just letting it go. Just let it fly. Oh, that's fine with me. Back when Barack Obama was president, I saw Nancy Pelosi get all... Uh, quivering over the uh, talk of Islam and doing their Islamic prayer and everything else. So she also came out today and said point blank that Democrats are the ones that are doing the Lord's work, not Republicans. Yeah, that's what I I ended on in that post about, you know, how, you know, they're so hypocritical by wanting to take out, so help you God, but then they turn around and say, we're doing the Lord's work. Yeah, okay. Well, I guess it depends upon who you're worshiping, because the bottom line is, is that Muhammad, people know about his character and who he was and how he lived, 
and what he did. And I have seen a video where there is a Muslim woman who was raised in, over in the Middle East who point blank has said that, you know, if you're going to if you're going to be Muslim, then and you get into the Quran and you can't find your answer in the Quran, then what you're supposed to do is is follow this. this I have a hard time with these words. Suda and the Sidna and. And those two things supposedly are everything that Muhammad said and did, and that's what you're supposed to follow. So yeah. the long and short of it is, is that they're not worshiping the God that we're worshiping, okay? And no. it's pretty obvious to me what God it is that they are worshiping. Many of them are worshiping um, in our country at this point, when I say many of them, I refer to any American that would be Satanists. Okay, I mean I'm just going to put it right out there because there is no way that anybody can stand at back and see what they did in New York and then applaud it and know that those people have lost their conscience. They are completely blinded to what is morally right in this country. Oh, yeah. I don't know where they came from. You know, the oh, first thing that, first the first response I had to that was what rock did those people crawl out from under? Because only a monster would think that that's okay to do, let alone applaud it. Well, he's Catholic, you know. Well, okay, yeah, and the Catholic Church has been talking on Fox for the last two days about how they're trying to get him emancipated from the church. Or not, oh, what, whatever they call that, excommunicated from the church. Well, you know, here's what Cardinal Dolan said. About He's not even a practicing we, Catholic. Most Catholics I we, know aren't. We can't uh, excommunicate somebody because people are frustrated or angry. Really? Really? The man has just Okay, it's okay. You can go into the hospital at 11.59 and abort your baby for a 12 o'clock C-section. Well, and you're saying well, that this that, is okay? Well, here's okay, the right thing, in there. okay? Right I, in there. I have had people come out in less than 24 hours with their excuses because you see the devil, the way he works, is he always figures out a real good reason for every bad thing that he does. So the reason that they've come out with is that, oh, they, but you've misread it. The only time they're going to do that is when it saves the life of the mother or the mother's life is in jeopardy. And that no, is not no. what it said. No. And that is not what they passed. So I they have, have been blinded again. Yeah, I have a runny nose today. So I want to abort my baby because I have a runny nose. That's the whole thing. She can go in for any reason. It doesn't have to be a doctor. It could be a, a nurse. It could be, you know, the garbage man. It could be, uh, uh, I, I just. Well, let me tell you something, Barbara. If there are people who believed that it was okay in, in, uh, to, to have, for women to have choice because they were sort of middle of the road over this issue, 
okay, back at the time when all, a lot of the doctors kept trying to, and all the scientists, a lot of them that were in that field, tried to convince people that, oh, well, they're not feeling pain, and oh, well, the pregnancy's not viable, and oh, this, no, that, all these excuses. They don't have any more excuses anymore because now they can do it when there, there is no doubt about it, that it is a child that they're literally murdering. Yeah. And they're proud yeah. of it. And they're proud of it. You see, this is what these people middle of the road who are quote-unquote in God's eyes lukewarm have been doing all along. They're walking the slippery slope. So, you know, the only only way out of it is repentance, period. The the question of being New York. That goes for anybody that's participated in an abortion, period. Repentance. Um. They have the uh, New Yorkers feel that the death penalty is, you know, oh, we can't do that. We can't do lethal injection, but you're willing to give a lethal injection to an infant and take its life. That's not inhumane. When I heard what Cardinal Dolan said, I said, you know, I'm done. Yeah, well, I'm going to reach a point where I'm done huh? with it because, you know what, you can't fight insanity. And these people are insane. I'm convinced. You know, I, I, I had questions about it for a long time. And forgive me, Lord, if I have spoken out of turn. But this, it's, what's coming out of that whole section of people is nothing but insanity. From the universal health care to, to Kamala Harris's Medicare for All that she brought up last, last night on her town hall, you know, yeah. Medicare is insurance that we've paid for through our paychecks. Well, I don't know who she thinks she is, but these people really. are in government really. positions that shouldn't be. Not because, really. again, no, we can go right back to the whole thing about our study on the Constitution and the, and the enumerated powers that are afforded to Congress, and they're way overstepping their bounds. Well, Medicare, yeah. come on now. Let, let's just, let's, come on. Let's not make excuses <laughs> for Medicare. Because uh, you what look you at your med- Medicare. Medicare is something we pay for. You didn't. I absolutely did in my paycheck. You didn't. It was Sorry. deducted from my paycheck every week. You didn't. Right in addition to my federal taxes, to my state mm-hmm. taxes, my city mm-hmm. taxes, FICA. Yep, you didn't. Time to time to have a reality check here. If you if you have Medicare, if you currently are on Medicare, okay. Once you have been on Medicare for 13 months, 13, under the way that the premiums and things work and the percentage that's taken out of paycheck, 13 months, you would have had to have paid into Social Security, or excuse me, Medicare taxes for 13 months of coverage under today's amounts, you would have had to have paid into Medicare for 50 years to be covered for 14 months. Wow. Okay? It's expensive, and anybody that thinks that they paid for the full coverage that they get for Medicare, no matter who it is, is deceiving themselves. It's just like Social Security. 
I have heard so many times. Well, I pay for my Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Hold on. Hold on. Medicare Part A, dear, pays for your hospital bed. It's a I know what it pays for. hotel policy. That's all it is. Because I know what A, B. None of the doctors. And none of by the way, covered by Medicare. There are way more. B, you pay for Part B premium every month. You pay part of the premium. $135.50. Yep. Every month. Which is. Which so is, which is near sixty. Which is near sixty percent below market value of the same policy in a private industry. So again, you're not really paying for your Medicare. You're paying for other people. You're not paying for you. As a matter of fact, you can thank me and the other working taxpayers for paying your Medicare and your Social Security because we're the ones paying for it. Okay. Really? Doesn't make I'm it part wrong. of the baby boomers generation that is the largest generation on the planet. That's so right, I which is which is why okay, I'm which is why, the numbers. which is why I'm paying for it. Okay? Med, Social Security as of twenty twenty two will no longer be solvent. It will not. There is more going okay, out well, in Social you Security. Know what? Hold on. And then we have Hold on. in Washington actively working on it that has said that that's a bunch of hooey and that they have the ability to make it solvent. And they do have a way to make it solvent. That is a true statement. And they need to because that's first and foremost. But, but at the end of the day, at the end of the day, in those 19 enumerated powers, Social Security is not there. Social Security needs it to go away. It was an insurance policy that was sold to the American people. I'm aware of what Social Security started out to be and what Social well, Security it, was. It, and it was not alcohol that it was misused. What, what Social and Security. And multimillionaires in government for the last two decades that have come out of government. And you know who they should have taken? They should have paid the Coast Guard, and they should have paid the federal workers that showed up, and they should have taken the salary away from the people in Congress that refused to do their jobs. Most congressmen, by the way, did refuse those salaries. Most congressmen. High-paid people in high places that refused to work. They should be doing Congress's job in a part-time scenario and having a job at home. Well... It's actually against the law to do that. But, I mean, Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid. Medicaid, I understand a little bit more because they need to open the risk pool on that. The problem is the risk pool is very limited, which causes the cost to be much higher. And there are ways to actually solve. Well, it's not solve. just that, but your overall cost. If you take the illegals out of the equation that are all on welfare, you wouldn't have a problem, now would we? Yes, we would, actually. We've had a problem since the 80s with this system. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. The best way to handle this problem is to go to communities. We have community health departments, okay? We have... ...country are on welfare, 60%. Mm-hmm. They don't want to work. Sorry. That's a bunch of hooey. Well, they were sold. come in, you'll get free stuff. Listen, that, that's when how you, the Democrats told them to come in here. When I you do it. away this, this problem, and, and I, you know, I hate to see myself doing this very thing, but this problem didn't start with the illegals, and the illegals aren't exacerbating the problem. American citizens are the problem. 
Okay? And I'm just going to say it. Social Security needs to be cut out, needs to be done. They need to tell a certain generation that, hey, as yeah, so to the You're unions not. and everything else. I mean, you can't cut out every – listen, why don't you start cutting out things like NASA? Why don't you start cutting out things like, um, you know, we're going to pay for uh, a million, X number of millions of dollars for Planned Parenthood, why don't we, which is a private corporation. Why don't we get rid of all the special interest in the lobbyists? And then let's talk about the Department of Labor or the you know the departments that are in right now that are, and all the committee I, people and all I that agree. other nonsense that they got. Who would have ever yeah. dreamed that our founders would have thought that we would ever have eight hundred thousand furloughed employees that are a part of the federal government? Well, those were just the not, way too big. Those way were the not big. those were the non-essential employees that were contractors. Yeah, well, That's the not essential even, employees are the ones that think they're gods. To sit in Washington in our state houses. Well, that would be the federal house, and uh, so I don't disagree. There are actually eight cabinet-level departments that I would cut out. There are also tons and tons and tons of committees and subcommittees that I would cut out. But Social Security needs to go. Medicare needs to go. Medicaid needs to go. Tell okay. my oh, you know, since, they, since they've adopted the abortion law, they might as well do the same thing for old people and just start putting them out of their misery, too. Food stamps needs to go. That's next. Trust Food me. stamps it's needs to go. Started. Food stamps need to go. When you take all these programs, okay, and let me elaborate on here before everybody gets their knickers in a twist. First off, Social Security. The majority of the Social Security money is going to the Social Security Disability Program which keeps widening and widening and widening the scope of the people they take. If you were to take the Social Security Disability Program, drop it back down to what it was supposed to be originally when they expanded Social Security, then it would, in fact, have some solvency. Secondly, if Social Security was used in the aspect of what it was supposed to as a supplemental income, okay, then it would have some solvency. People using Social Security to completely live on is a mistake. It was never designed to be that way. And so all these people yelling and hollering and hooping for raises, you don't need a raise. You know what? You, you know you what? Need the, George you Bush need, brought that out, that we need to cut it back and then have the young people start putting their money aside. And I don't have a problem with that at all. What I do have a problem with is people that are in my generation that worked 40 years getting screwed out of the monies that they should be getting. Because the fact of the matter is, well, don't you worry. do monies, people. the monies that paid in, and you figure in a, just a small, generous interest rate on that money, we'd all be doing fine and paying all of our bills without any problems whatsoever. But no, the people that run the government think that they should have the fat man's check. Now, there's the Democrat in me coming out, because there is a part of me, I believe in capitalism wholeheartedly. But, you know, when you start talking about people that are multi-billionaires and so on and so forth, it gets a little old after a while. They earned it. Because, their money. you know, then you've got people out there that are trying to survive on fourteen, fifteen hundred dollars $1,500 a month. Okay. They don't think about that. They can't even imagine what that's like. 
they don't have to. They earn money. They don't have to. They earn the money. Somebody that worked 40 years didn't earn their money? You know, let me tell you something that is another big problem in this country, and that is the rate of inflation. When I was in 1979, I bought a a brand-new Mustang with four miles on it as coming out of high school because my father died at 16, and I was able to have Social Security money because I was an underage child still in school. Then my mother put those, whatever those little mediocre checks were, away from me for college and for a vehicle when I turned 18. So I was able to get a new car, and it was $5,500 driving it off the lot brand new. Okay. You couldn't touch the same car now for 35 to 40 grand. There's your problem. Same thing goes with real estate. Why do you think both the auto industry and the real estate market is bottomed out? I heard the economics lecture on this back in the 90s. They all said it was coming, that if you didn't have an increase in your pay to the rate of $5,000 per year increase, you weren't going to be able to keep up with the rate of inflation, and that is exactly what has happened. So until they get their greed under control in this country, we're going to go down the hill, and it's a, a slippery slope because you know what? Everybody's leaving the debt to our children. That's well, what we're going to have to answer to God about. I'm trying to figure out. You said that the Democrat and you. So basically, you're saying that you should get some of the money that other people earned. Is that correct? No. What I'm saying is, is it my fault that the rate of inflation has turned out to be what it is? Did I set that somehow? Did you? Did Barbara? Did anybody on this call set that rate of inflation? Did we know that a Mustang in 1979, 40 years later, was going to be worth how much more? No, but Seven, when you do... Seven, eight times the same amount? Look at whether, real estate. With your, okay, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, okay? Whether it's a totalitarian economy, a command economy, or a free trade economy, which we have, inflation is the same. It's the same devil across all types of economies. So it's not something, do you think that uh, Venezuela, North Korea, China, and Vietnam don't have the same inflationary woes as we have? They do. Okay, fine. I heard heard today. But the point is, is that, you know, when you know... But deflation has the same devil. ...with the rate of inflation... When it's a fact, 20 years ago, then why didn't they actually try to do something about it then instead of waiting and just, let's just keep going. We'll just put everybody on credit cards, and now it's like, oh, let's turn tune into a radio show so that we can learn how to manage our own money. But I mean, you know come what? on. Well, you said you, you, you know, said, said people that work. Our federal, our federal government has made slaves of all of us. That's well, exactly let me. Done. We have let slavery me, in this country. We're all a bunch of slaves. Well, that, there is some degree. There is some degree to truth to that. 
No, that is true. When you've got government people that go sit on their duff and talk about how they're godly, and yet it's okay to kill people, we've got a problem. And if Houston doesn't get a grip pretty soon, and these Christians you're talking about don't start standing up for what is right in this country, instead of sitting back and going, oh, well, we're just praying in faith, something's going to give. My eardrums are busting. Sorry. Something's gonna give. Something's well, I'm gonna give. I'm actually inclined to agree and with you. You know what? I, but I, here's I, the thing. This is this is the problem, okay? And you know, it's it's and we've had this dis- part of this discussion before. It isn't before. just one problem, though, Fabian. It's a, a Mr. Superman. It's a it's a ton. There are a ton of problems, but everybody wants to make the changes. They don't want to make the changes on their own. So, for example, so security. Oh, please. Social Security. Hold on. Hold on. So you said that you have no problem making the reforms of Social Security, but you've paid in and you've earned yours. When? Okay. For 40 you, years I paid in. Did you pay? Have you paid in that long? Has anybody that's 20 years old paid in that long? No. But they want to stop paying. How would our parents have gotten by? No, but I've paid in. When, we, I've, when our parents were elderly. I've paid in for 22 and I promise you the amount that I have paid in exceeds what you paid in over 40. Okay? And that's not a slap. Well, you don't know that's how much just, I earned throughout the course of my lifetime, and I was a business owner for 10 years, so you know even what? If, even, if, even, if I mixed, even if I maxed yours out over 40 years and I did the 40-year rate, I still in 22 years have paid more in than you. Okay? It isn't Whatever. a slap. It's not a competition. It's, the fact it's not a slap. I I'm, for 40 years a good I'm simply, I'm is. simply, I'm simply pointing something out. So let me finish my point. Okay. Calm down. Okay. Let me finish my point. 40 years ago. Okay. That would be. It is 2019. So it'd be 1980. Okay. Sound about right. Okay, beginning in 1980. Does anybody know what the Social Security rate was for 1980? Oh, I don't know. And the maximum cap for supporting it. I don't know. My point is this. The Social Security money... It was a lot less. It was. The Social Security money actually was decidedly less per capita and per person and per limit. A lot more people up, paying in too. Up until 2000. Then in 2000, yep. the limit changed. Okay. That's because the baby boomers generation were starting now, to retire. You're exactly right. The baby boomer generation has already exhausted every penny that they paid in. Every penny paid in by baby boomers is gone. Period. Whether it's you're, Medicare. You're attributing that to the people that are getting Social Security. You're forgetting about all the people that are getting it that never paid a dime in. And that's no. why I, have my, I get my butt in an uproar. No. I'm, I'm, I'm counting. I'm counting tax paying. Because SSI and SSD and, and, and straight Social Security are all mixed in together. They are. SSI but I'm, is funded by the Feds, funded by the Feds to the states, and and the states have their little portion. But and the budget, they, and they get out. Okay? The budgets are the budgets are different. 
Okay, the numbers are kept different. They are all filed under the same under the Social Security Administration, but the yeah. numbers are all different. And I'm telling you, okay, the people that apply for SS Social the Security people, apply for Social Security or disability. That is also apply for SSI, which is welfare. Listen, and if they don't get one, they get the other. I'm telling you, the but of course I understand. I have a daughter that receives SSI. I'm well aware of how it works. Okay. And hers isn't welfare. It's pulled off of her mother's and mine. So, um, no. But here's the deal. The baby boomers have already withdrawn every penny they ever put in, both in Medicare taxes and in Social Security taxes. Is that a problem? No. It was expected that way, which is why in 2000 they began adjusting everything. Here's where the problem is. The paying-in base has shrunk, okay? Especially over the past 10 years under the Obama administration, the people paying into Social Security shrank to an all-time low. And there is more going out of Social Security. We're not even talking. We're not even talking. We're not even talking. We're not even talking Social Security disability. Social Security disability absolutely burns me up and gets me going every time so we're not even talking it that's a whole ball of wax that's something else well, what would you point, do with the disabled if they didn't have that income i don't have a problem with the disabled having that income i have a problem with drunks having it i have a problem with right. obese people having it i have a problem right. with people that have a carpal tunnel in their damn thumb getting it i have people that yeah. are too lazy to get up and go get a job but because they stink and can't take a bath they get a check i have people that right. i've got a problem with them claiming that, oh, I'm bipolar, I can't work. Bullcrap. Yeah. Okay? Well, I have a problem. What you're saying, then, is that you believe there needs to be well, stricter guidelines. I think there needs to be. I think. I think there needs. I do, too. There needs to be much tighter regulation on Social Security disability if we're going to keep that program. And that is that is a partial program that I would keep. Social Security retirement or Social Security income, I would do away with. And here's why I would do away with it. When it was created under the New Deal and revamped in 1980, there was not 401Ks, 501Bs, IRAs, HSAs, and any other number of savings accounts out there that you could be a part of. Okay? And instead of having unions, instead of paying Social Security taxes, instead of Medicare taxes, what they need to do is they need to divert it and do it privately through companies. And you invest it. You put it in your medical care. Put it in HSAs. Okay? Use Psalms 23 and the different programs that are out there. There's enough systems in place that we could completely do away with Medicare, Medicaid, and Social Security not that Social Security disability for those with, you know, unable to care for themselves. But there are ways to do away with those three programs, huge, massive programs that spend more in waste. They could give, there was $150 billion in waste, okay, in the Medicare program just in two years. Do you imagine, that's $3 billion that could go to the states to help run their health departments and help run community clinics that are much cheaper than the way the Medicaid system works. Okay? There are alternatives. The problem is nobody wants to talk about them because of that voting block 
and the AARP wouldn't be getting their big subsidies through through their supplemental plans that they sell. So yes, but how would people I, live? I have a huge problem with Social Security. I have well, a huge that's problem. A good question there. That's Medicare. a good question, Barbara. Just just remember it. Well, I'll answer that question because you don't just go cut out the program tomorrow. What you do is you say, okay, beginning with X number of age. For example, I have 27 years left of working eligibility according to their guidelines. Okay, I will not see Social Security. I will not. Okay, I know the plan for that. I'm not going to see it. And that's what they need to do. They need to say, okay, for those of you that are set to retire in year X, you no longer, all of your, you, we will no longer take Social Security taxes. We'll no longer take Medicare taxes. You will put it in HSA, FSA, whatever the case may be, not an FSA. Oh, dear Lord. Least. Have it, have put it, <laughs> hey, I don't want to hear What are you going to do with the people that are too irresponsible to do that, then? Then that's, uh, you, that's, you, their, you, that's their problem. That, with the crime rate when it starts going up because they're not, they're not able to feed themselves. Hey, you have to prepare. You educate people. There is a much better education out there for these type of plans than there used to be. People have to take personal responsibility. It's not the government's well, place to prop to you that. up. It's another thing to make them do it. It's you know what? In 1993, the state of Michigan voted to cut benefits. They cut food stamps and they cut welfare. Everybody said that the homeless rate would skyrocket and child abuse would skyrocket. But you know what happened? An amazing thing happened. Within two months of those benefits being cut in 1993, the jobless rate went through the floor. People decided to actually go out and get a job and start providing for themselves. And it is one thing, and I'm going to tell you, there are clinics really? out there. Have yes. you seen it to the city of Detroit lately? Yes, different time frame. But if people are forced to make decisions, they'll make them. And let's stop making excuses, okay? Because at the end of the day, we do have a responsibility to care for people, and that's why communities do it. That's why churches do it. There are food banks galore. That's the problem. They don't. Well, some do. They line their own pockets, and they don't go and help people that are in need. I'm sorry. Now, there may be some out there that do. You know, they'll go out and they'll buy a gallon of milk here and there or whatever, but they don't financially help in a lot of places. It's really easy to say that. It's another thing to prove it. you got more churches that are going overseas in the countries, and, uh, countries outside of ours than you have churches here in this country that are actively putting monies out for people that are in need. If that was true, there wouldn't be people. Look at the size of the churches, a perfect example in California. Big mega churches, okay? And look at the homeless people on the street out there. Huh. The tent communities, the defecating in the streets. That's a totally different situation, and that has nothing to do with homelessness. That actually has to do with them just being jerks. All right, guys, it's time to call it a night. We will resume <laughs> this. Next Tuesday, now, now remember, starting next Tuesday, we adopt our new time. Our new time is 7 o'clock Central. Okay.
So we're going to move to our new time. We're going to try it and see how it works. And uh, when are you starting up Sunday? This Sunday. And we're going to run it at the same time. Which we did. What time? Because it's been a while for me. Oh, 8.30, I believe. 8.30, okay. Well, y'all might be praying for the us people up here that are in this frigid weather. Oh, God. We got it's, uh, maybe, it'll chill, maybe it'll chill some of y'all out. Well, you know, Chicago, from what I understand, that probably their murder rate will be lower because Chicago is supposed to be colder than the Antarctic tomorrow. <laughs> 30, 30, below, 30 below zero tomorrow. I will tell you all a story. Tell you all a quick story. Yeah, one it's going to be real cold here, too. They've, all the schools are closed down. Yeah, they are in Chicago, too. Hang on just a second. We'd like to thank everybody for tuning in. Remember, you've got to stand for something or you fall for anything. Freedom isn't free. Thank a soldier for without them. You know what? We really wouldn't be able to do this. Thank the families of soldiers for without them, we wouldn't have an all-volunteer army. And thank all your nurses and medical personnel for they have thankless jobs and very often are not thanked for. On behalf of Ragtag Patriots and Political Straight Talk, I am your host, the Political Superman, saying have a good night, everybody. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.